Thank you for joining the Capital Church Podcast. We believe that Jesus is for you and that through these expressions of our community, you will find hope, healing, and belonging. To learn more, join us live every week online and visit our website at capitalchurch.co or send us an email at info at Father, we, we believe today is a line of demarcation that we are going to start believing you for divine miracles. We pray, Lord, that you would stir our hearts. Lord, place our minds in the right position. And Lord, we, we come to just honor and bless you this day. Lord, we receive the word of the Lord now. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, I'm going to teach a little, I'm going to shout a little, I'm going to pray a little, or a lot, I'm going to read some scriptures, I'm going to tell some stories, and then we'll see what God does. As I was coming here today, the Lord spoke to me, and it this, I don't know if this has anything to do with my message or not, but the Lord spoke to me, and the scripture that came to me was interesting, Matthew 13, 52, he said, uh, then he said to them, therefore every scribe instructed concerning the kingdom of heaven is like a householder who brings out of his treasure things new and things old. In other words, the house, the house of God, which you are now a part of, we're just not in a house, we are the house. And uh, we're part of the kingdom. And the Bible says that, that in that house, the steward or that who brings the word or is doing things in the house brings out things new and old. So today I'm gonna to instruct you on some old things, but some new applications. And we'll see how it goes. Are you ready? We need revival today. We've been talking about revival over the past few weeks. And last week, Pastor Chris talked in an amazing way about, uh, you know, how to apply things. And it was, it was uh, demonstratively important that we do that. But I think there's a missing element that I want to talk about today. I think there's a genuine lack of expectancy for healings and miracles in the church. Because a genuine expectancy of, of healings and miracles actually denotes the presence of God himself. Why is the miraculous important to revival? Well, Bible says that signs and wonders will follow those who believe. How many here today are believers? Where are your signs and wonders? No, I'm not just, that's not a rhetorical question. Where are your signs and wonders? That's what it says. The signs and wonders will follow those who believe. It's, it's important that we understand that God wants to develop within us a spirit of faith and expectancy. Now, I'm going to give you th two scriptures. This is my, I think it's my favorite scripture in the Bible, Matthew 9.29, which says, according to your faith, so be it. In other words, you have the choice of how much God blesses your life. That's interesting. According to the scripture, it says, according to your faith, so be it. 
according to your faith, then that's how much God is going to bless you. The second scripture is, without faith it is impossible to please God in Hebrews. So faith is the expectancy attitude. It is the currency of the kingdom. We are here in a building as the church of the living God, demonstrating the kingdom of God because we're a part of the kingdom. Now, I'm going to tell a few stories just to kind of get you to understand this. I've done, I've done a lot of reading and a lot of research about former revivalists and miracle workers. And you can read stories that are just mind-boggling. I'm going to tell you a couple of them. But I found that uh, there was a man named John Alexander Dowie. He, he, uh, he started, I believe, in, in, around the world. He eventually ended up in, in Chicago and started a, 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 a city there, actually. And it says, in, in his life, disappointment was following him everywhere he went. And he was trying to reach the masses with all kinds of human methods, and he, he really had a heart for God. But it wasn't until he made up his mind that he would sink or swim in, God, in God's miraculous flow that finally blessing and anointing came to his ministry. In fact, I'll give you an illustration. He was in Australia doing some meetings and a 16-year-old boy at that point was laying in, a, in an Australian hospital suffering from tuberculosis of the bones. He was emaciated and had to be carried from place to place. He was given one of Dowie's tracts that had been sent around the city. And this little boy read it. And he would give his parents no rest until they agreed to take him to church. They then came to church, told Dowie that their son expected to be healed that night. Dowie promptly led the young man to Christ and then told him to stamp his feet on the ground as hard as he could. Instantly, the young man let out a shriek as he was totally healed. I can tell you story after story. On August 7th, 1890, Dowie came to Chicago to minister. He was requested to pray for Mrs. Jenny Paddock, a woman dying from a fibroid tumor. The doctors had given up hope because of gangrene, which had already set into her body. But Dowie took this challenge as a test of whether he should begin a work in Chicago. He prayed for the woman, and she was instantly healed. It was Dowie's conviction that a great revival of the magnitude of that of the early church could only come through the ministry of healing and miracles. Miracles, according to him, drew the lost, hungry, and needy to God. The miraculous is the invitation of God to his kingdom. Miracles actually validate God's existence to all skeptics. There was an example of this in Chicago when he was ministering there. There was a man named Robert Ingersoll. If you've ever heard, this is an interesting story of his life, but Robert Ingersoll was a famous atheist and skeptic. He gave a talk in Chicago during Dowie's first years there, and he entitled the talk, God Must Perish Because He Is Useless and Never Answers Prayer. Well, Dowie took the speech as, as a personal affront to God and as a challenge to prove that God does indeed answer prayer. He assembled a large array of testimonials of people who have been miraculously healed and documented the proof of their healings. 
That was the only time that Ingersoll had been effectively challenged for his assertion. Dowie, who displayed the power of God through his life, called Ingersoll's bluff and challenged him to debate. I think we need to be a, more, a little bit more challenging in our statement to people who were atheists saying things in public. After hearing Dowie's remarkable collection of documented miracles, Ingersoll decided to leave town. Steeped in his own prejudice, he fled. Soon afterward, this atheist, and this is an interesting story, a friend of mine actually documented how he died. This atheist, who predicted that the Bible would not last, died crying out to God for mercy. Later, this is, this is the irony of the gospel and of God. Later, his home was converted into the national headquarters of the Geneva Bible Society. A miracle kind of settles the issue. There have always been Pharisees and Sadducees who seek to disprove what, what happens among God's people. There are them today. There's Pharisees and Sadducees today. But in Acts 4, an interesting thing occurred. Peter and John were brought before the Sanhedrin for preaching the word with signs following. You can read this in Acts 4, 13 through 22. I'm going to read kind of a paraphrased version. When they, the Sanhedrin, saw the courage of Peter and John, and they realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. What are we going to do with these men? They asked. Everybody living in Jerusalem knows that they have done an outstanding miracle, and we cannot deny it. After further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed, he was healed at 40 years of age. A miracle settles the issue. It can be denied, but it cannot be disproved. Miracles, let me say this, miracles are the drawing card of the Spirit. Smith Wigglesworth, another revivalist miracle worker of, the, of, of faith, said this, only believe, for fear looks, faith jumps. Wigglesworth was a man who expected God to move when his servants acted in faith and obedience to the commands of his Holy Spirit. If you read the stories of Smith Wigglesworth, you'll be astonished at what God told him to do. And he always obeyed. It kind of offended many people, but he got the results because God spoke to him. Wigglesworth said this also. He said, I can see the days when the ministry of healing is going to be more difficult. There are already too many remedies in which people can trust. I can see that it will get worse until it will be hard to get people to believe at all. And that's kind of what's happened today. It is the miraculous, however, that draws the countless skeptics to see if there really is a God. To Paul, fully proclaiming the gospel of Christ meant having signs and wonders following his ministry. The role of miracles in the scripture was always threefold. It was always threefold. It was number one, to draw people to God. Number two, it was to destroy the work of the devil in people's lives. We want to destroy the work of the devil in people's lives. 
Thirdly, it was to validate the kingdom of God. If we are really the church and we're really a part of the kingdom of God, then signs and wonders should be here. They should be following us. We should not just speak about it, talk about what happened 20 years ago, 40 years ago. What about yesterday? What about what's going to happen this week? And there was a common denominator in the miracles of Jesus and the disciples. The people always expected something to happen. That's why they went to see Jesus. They always expected something to happen. I have a question for you. Did you expect something to happen today? Or are you just coming sitting in a pew and just, well, this is what we always do. This is our religious duty. And you know, this is what, I, this is my Sunday schedule. Are you ready to stay here for three hours? Am I serious? I might be. <laughs> we must regain the sense of expectancy today if we really want revival to come on our day. It was, it was surrounding Jesus' life. I remember in, after feeding the 5,000, this is fascinating, after feeding the 5,000, Jesus uh, in John 6 sent his disciples in a boat to cross the lake while he stayed behind to pray. After they had rowed some, rowed some miles, Jesus followed walking in the water. Jesus didn't need normal modes of transportation. He was, he was far ahead of Star Trek and beam me up, Scotty. His arrival at the disciples' boat provoked an immediate reaction. When they saw Jesus approaching the boat, this is in verse 19 of John chapter 6, he was walking in the water, and they were terrified. Once Jesus, can I say this once in a while? If you, miracles happen, you might be a little terrified. You might be a little, it, it's, it's out of the ordinary, extraordinary. It's supernatural, it's above the natural. But when Jesus identified himself, the disciples took him into the boat. And this is the most, one of the most amazing words and phrases in the Bible. It says, and immediately the boat reached the shore. What? They were in the middle of the lake? Immediately the boat was at the shore. I'm telling you, God likes miracles. He likes to astonish us. This was his means of transportation. That's not basic means of transportation. You remember Philip was translated. He was all of a sudden someplace else. It's supernatural transportation. I like that. No more Delta, no more United. Come on, amen. Well, then what happens? He gets back from, the, from there. And miracles do promote a real awareness of God. So he comes off the boat, goes to the shore, and the people are there waiting for him. And they, Jesus was always trying to get them to understand and hunger for the real, the authentic, the spiritual. However, they tended to always want to hunger for the natural and that which would satisfy their earthly body. That's why they were there when he got back because he had just fed the 5,000. They wanted more earthly sustenance. Jesus, however, did not rebuke the people for wanting miracles. The miraculous never keeps people immature. This is an interesting thing. I've heard this stated a lot of, well, you know, miracles, that's just for the immature. Oh, and that's not what the Bible says. The Bible teaches that every time the lame were made to walk, 
the blind to see, the deaf to hear, the crippled to be restored. There was always an open display of praise among the people and they were drawn to God. Always, always. John 6, 2 says that the people followed Jesus because they saw the miraculous signs he had performed on the sick. Acts 8, verse 6 and 13 says, when the crowds heard Philip and saw the miraculous signs he did, they all paid close attention to what he said. Simon himself, a man of sorcery, believed and was baptized. And he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles that he saw. Now, here I am today saying we need to raise the level of expectancy for miracles and signs and wonders. They should be following us. They should be evident in the church service. We need to bring about a climate for the supernatural. So you need to understand five things about the atmosphere of the supernatural. Number one, miracles are a part of God's plan even though we don't always see them. They are a part of God's plan. Number two, we must hunger for the, that which is real and genuine. We must hunger for the miraculous. We must hunger for the miracle giver. Thirdly, we must choose a life of holiness. Holiness is simply doing things God's way. Being set aside to do things God's way. That's why without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Holiness, I believe, is the cornerstone of the miraculous because grieving the Holy Spirit results in the Holy Spirit leaving. But if you're holy, you are with God and God will come. So we must choose a life of holiness. Number four, we must be moved by compassion. The one common bond which linked every great revivalist miracle ministry was compassion for the hurting. Smith Wigglesworth was a man who sincerely loved others. Compassion is a powerful spiritual force that unlocks the miraculous. Nine times compassion is used in the Bible to describe the motivation that moved Jesus. Compassion is the key. It helps to unlock the door to the miraculous. Now, how do we get there? Well, the Bible says we're a royal priesthood. We're a holy nation. We're a peculiar people. I look at you, you're peculiar. We're all peculiar. We are kings and priests. God wants to use us. We're part of the kingdom of God. We're a special people. We weren't, we used to be not a people. Now we are a people. And we're part of the kingdom of God and the grace has been given to us to overcome and do the impossible. How are we going to get to the place where we're expectant and we believe God and we're in the, 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 the realm of the Holy Spirit with signs and wonders and miracles? I truly believe that we have already crossed the threshold into a new revival. I believe we've already crossed. We're just not seeing all the manifestations. You watch. It's going to be demonstrated in our nation. We're going to see miracles in every area of our nation that's going to just bog the mind of all of us. We need to start saying, I can do all things through Christ. He strengthens me. There's a very unusual flower that grows above the Colorado timberline. In the midst of growing conditions that have been called impossible. Rather than growing in soil, the flower's roots spread deep down into rocks where the seeds lodge. And they crack open the rocks so that the flower can bloom out of the rock. 
People have studied it and said it can't happen. It can't grow out of a rock. But not only does the flower manage to grow from a rock, it is even the first flower to, to bloom in the spring. And the flower's name is saxifrage. The word saxifrage, if you go to it in the, defin in the dictionary, it actually means rock breaker. Rock breaker. And at the blooms are used for healing. The, this word is amazing to me. This flower is a rock breaker because it doesn't accept its acceptable limitations. Don't tell me that I can't grow out of a rock, it says. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. When you say that, I can do all things through Christ. What are you doing? I believe you are setting a standard to break past the acceptable limitations in your circumstance. We are too settled and satisfied with life. And we don't say, no, I'm not going to receive that. I'm moving on. I, I receive that miracle. You need to be a rock breaker. You need to be a saxifrage. Just like the saxifrage faces the impossibility of growing out of a rock, every person faces impossible situations in your life. There's not one person in this building who has not encountered impossible situation that God wants to overcome. If you resign yourself to accepting life's standard limitations, you'll never receive what God has for you. You have to be, in a sense, not satisfied. God doesn't want us to be crushed by limitations. He wants us to crush the limitations. And when you begin to say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, we gotta be much more verbal. When you say that, you're allowing God to work in your situation. For all things are possible with God. And all things are possible to them that believe. But you have to be a believer. I think there are a bunch of uh, unbelieving believers. Agnostic believers. Now, the, now think about this. How are we going to get there, though? Well, let me get, give you a, a little channel, a little avenue to get there. The first purpose of the church is to glorify God. We came today to glorify God. We came today to worship, honor him, lift him up. If you came to just enjoy the music, you're not doing what God wants you to do. Worship isn't for you, it's for him. And whether you got your favorite song sung today is not the point. Get over your opinions. Begin to worship God, glorify God, lift him up. That's the first order of the church. Now... We are the collective, now listen to me carefully. We are the collective franchise outlets of his glorious kingdom. We are the local spiritual retailers where people can shop for God's goods. I hope you're hearing me. We are the art museum where they can see his miraculous works. They should be designated in our lives. We should be telling everybody about the miracles of God's. We're also the divine deli where folks can taste and see that the Lord is good. Our task is to magnify God, to make him big. Our responsibility as we've come to church today is to lift him up in such a way that he is attractive to others. 
Our role is to, is to get God up where he belongs so that when people see him, they will marvel at his greatness and they will be drawn to his nature. That's why King David wrote in the Psalms. He said, oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together, together, together. The word magnify means to cause to grow, to make greater powerful. The word exalt means to lift up, set on high. Extol means to esteem highly and prize. So when you come to church on Sunday, is that what you're doing? When we praise God, are you, are you just kind of, you know, well, I wonder who's here today. Yeah, that's, that's good, yeah. And by the time you finally get engaged about the time we get done with worship. When you had 20, 25 minutes to glorify, to magnify, to lift his name up to extol him, to exalt him. We need to be doing that. The impact, listen to me carefully, the impact of a corporate gathering is amplified many times more than a personal encounter with God that we have in our prayer closets because we're all here together. That's why he says do it together. In other words, this is where miracles happen. I've been in church services, miracles happen. I was in a church service about 20 years ago and the power of God fell. There was about five or six rows. We were in about the sixth row right back there. And this man just went like that. And we, Connie and I were in the sixth row back there. We fell, we fell back with the power of God. We just fell back in our seats. We saw it coming and go, oh, and we fell back. We saw the video. The video was in the shape of angel's wings on both sides of the congregation. It didn't hit the row behind us. I mean, I can tell you story after story of the miracle power of God. If he wants to, if he wants to do something, he's gonna do it. And we need, to, we need to understand that he wants to use us in this day to impact people for the anointing can destroy any yoke of the devil. And one moment in his presence can change your life forever. It has changed my life. It has changed, it has changed your, you wouldn't be here today except for the power of God. One short time under the influence of God's grace can answer questions, solve riddles, open the heavens and heal bodies. Nothing is impossible in an atmosphere of faith. Your problem that seems so overwhelming can be made small in the light of his greatness. I'm telling you, the trouble that, that was making you miserable on Monday and testing you on Tuesday and winding you up on Wednesday and thrashing you on Thursday and frustrating you on Friday and slashing or slaying you on Saturday becomes subject to God on Sunday. That's why we come to church. In light of his greatness, your difficulty becomes petty, trifling, trivial, paltry, insignificant, and microscopic. He's bigger than your problems. He's bigger than your any opposition. He's bigger than any disease. He's bigger than any question you have. He's bigger than your frustration. He's bigger than your struggles. He's bigger than your crisis. During the week, your, your, week, your faith can be shrinking. That's why we need to attend church every Sunday and let the Holy Spirit and the Word of God work in us. We need this. We need this. You're, I mean... Those people who, who come once a, week, once a month to church, how do you even make it through life? They don't. In worship where God is magnified among his people while we're transformed 
We become transformed into his image from glory to glory. We see him as big. We get over our Monday murmurings and our Tuesday trials and our Saturday sufferings. We begin to be transformed into his image. God is exalted above all of our tribulations. We come into his presence on Sunday and guess what happens? He lifts us up. He's the lifter up of my head. He's my head lifter. He's magnified in our eyes. It is then we begin to believe that God can do anything. It is in that atmosphere of expectancy that God begins to produce his healing and miracles. And we need to start believing for and expecting it. We, I don't think in the last day we can truly be the, call ourselves the, the church of God, the kingdom of God, if we are not seeing signs and wonders among us. When God is made big, great things happen. We have a strong confidence in God that if people will come into the Lord's presence, they will be touched and blessed and helped by the power of God. That leads me to, to ask this question. Why don't we invite more people to church? If we believe this, maybe you don't believe this. But if we believe this, the people can be changed and transformed. Their entire life redirected in a moment of time in a church service with his anointing breaking the yoke of the enemy. I, I believe there's extraordinary hope and help in his presence. A holy assistance that only he can bring and produce. It is, it's not the quality of our music and worship. We have great music and worship, but it's not the quality of that's going to break things. It's not our wisdom of oratory with speaking, although I think we have great speakers. That's not going to bring divine intervention. It's not even the skill of our songs or the depth of talent. It's, it's simply that God is made big. And in his presence, we have fullness of joy. It is in our worship and exaltation of God that we will create an atmosphere of faith where miracles can begin to happen. This room can radiate. I'm telling you, this room has been here. It'll be next year, 30 years, when we came in here in September of, 20, or of 1994. So next year will be 30 years. And in this room, we've seen thousands of people saved, delivered, healed, miracles happen. But I don't believe God is done, and we shouldn't just look at the past and say, isn't that great what God did? No, I want God to work now, today, in this day and age. I want my children and grandchildren to see the glory of God, to see his miracle working in our lives. When God has made big, problems are made small. When God has made big, I'm telling you, demons tremble. When God's made big, diseases shrivel. When God has made big, mountains are moved. When God has made big, darkness is dispelled. When God has made big, answers to questions come easily. It's easy for God. When God has made big, confusion lifts, and all of a sudden, direction comes. When God has made big, idols topple. When God has made big, unbelief gives way to great faith, and the weakest Christian becomes the mightiest Christian. I'm telling you, when he is made big, the aged are strengthened. When I'm telling you, if you get older, you come to church, you feel younger. I'm even believing you're going to look younger. When God has made big, believers rejoice. They shout for victory, and the frailest among us becomes mighty overcomers. When God has made big, death loses its sting, and the valley of the shadow becomes a passage of promotion. 
Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Let's begin to focus on his greatness and his goodness. Let's begin to think and muse on his awesome power and his majesty. Let's start speaking, shouting, muttering his powerful deeds. Let's begin to repeat and say his great names and his titles. We, we sang them today. We sang them. We were, he's Jehovah Jireh. He's Jehovah Rapha. He's Jehovah Nissi. He's Jehovah Shalom. About 20 years ago, I did a whole series on the names of God. I think we need to bring them out of the closet. Old things and new. Remind yourself who you are serving. The God of the whole earth. <laughs> so how are we to praise him? Well, let me, just, let me just paraphrase what the Bible says. In Psalms, it talks about shouting the Lord all those. Uh, let me say it in my words. Applause, everyone. Bravo, bravissimo. Shout God's songs at the top of your lungs. Your beauty and splendor have everyone talking, God. You are everything I need, God. We can go on and say, yes, sir, you're my captain. You're my point man. You sweep me off my feet. You're a lavish father. You're all that I need, and I need all that you are. For God is good. God is good. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Lord, begin to move with miracles and signs and wonders today in Jesus' name. God hasn't changed. God hasn't changed. God has not changed. He's always been good. He's still good. He's still gracious. He's still loving. He's still kind. He's still merciful, abounding in goodness. He still does miracles. He still does signs and wonders. That is our God. And that's the God we serve. The God who did miracles in the Old Testament and was manifest through Jesus Christ in the New Testament, performing great signs and wonders. He will do them for you as well. The God who anointed the apostles of the first generation with the Holy Spirit and power and did amazing wonders through them will do wonders through you in your generation too because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. The God who stopped the mouths of lions in Daniel's den can stop the mouths of those who speak against you in the church. The God who delivered Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego out of the fiery furnace, he can deliver you out of your trial and out of your temptation. I'm telling you, the God who opened up the Red Sea for Moses and caused the waters of the Jordan to stand up in a heap for Joshua, he can make a way for you where there seems to be no way. And the God who turned the water to wine at the wedding in the Cana of Galilee, he can turn your crisis into a miracle. Come on, people, you gotta start believing this. This is, and this may be my favorite miracle in the Bible. The God who compelled all the animals of the earth to enter the Ark of Noah, how in the world did they do that? He entered the Ark of Noah. He can speak to people and draw them to your church. He can draw them to your business. He can draw them to meet your need. The God who filled the temple of Solomon with the cloud of his glory can fill you with his Holy Spirit and empowerment. The same God who did these mighty deeds can do great things in your life as well because he's the same today. Our God is mighty. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. What is impossible with men is possible with God. Can you agree with me today to begin to build an atmosphere 
of expectancy for the miracles that God wants to do? Would you agree with me? Don't ever come, don't ever come to church again. You say, well, I'm gonna sit. No, come to church. What's gonna happen today? What's gonna happen today? Come on, this is where the, this is the house of God. This is the house of miracles. We're believing for that. Repeat this with me and then we're gonna pray. The Lord is going before me. The blood of Jesus is over me. The everlasting arms of God are under me. His goodness and mercy are behind me. They follow me all the days of my life. There is no problem he cannot solve. There is no question he cannot answer. There is no disease he cannot heal. There is no demon he cannot cast out. There is no enemy he cannot defeat. There is no difficulty he cannot overcome. There is no stronghold he cannot bring down. There is no bondage he cannot break. There is no prison he cannot open. There is no need he cannot meet. There is no mountain he cannot move. There is nothing too hard for my God. Did you hear what you just said? You just said, now this is what the Jewish, this is what the Jewish people believe, that when you speak, you actually speak protoplasm into the airwaves. It's actually a life flow, a life being. You just spoke life. And you spoke it, that's why you need to speak to your body when it's sick. That's why you need to speak life. You need to speak Jesus. We're gonna start with that song. Okay, yes. Where's everybody? Come on, come on, Koki. Okay, we're gonna do this. Put your hand in your heart right now. We're, we're, just, we're just gonna, we're gonna believe. We're gonna believe. Are you a believer? Yes. Come on, are you a believer? Yes. Father, we pray today that there would be an unbounding multiplication of the power of God in our hearts. Let there be faith to believe. Let there be miracles that begin to operate in, in our lives, in the church, in our families. We release a spirit of expectancy in our hearts. Lord, we believe that what God did in the past, he will do now. He will do in the future. God is the God of all creation. There is nothing too hard for our God. So fathers, we put our hand in our heart. We receive an expectancy and a faith that we've never had before. Begin to move in our hearts and begin to move in our church. We pray this in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us today. If you'd like to give towards this ministry, learn more about our church and events, or are in need of prayer, please visit capitalchurch.co.